let's just put it in. You know, the production meeting was short this time. Today it's a different day. Tomorrow, Saint Anthony. Oh boy, here we go. Go ahead. Mm. No, you all right? Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm gonna do well, my. Whenever, whenever you do my, search for something, uh, you pray to Saint Anthony. Yeah. All right. So that was a great story on that podcast that you talked about Saint Anthony oh and, and the God. pen with Grandma. Yeah. Oh my God. It's true story. Johnny, how many times do I have to tell you? Right. Yeah. You want to find something? Yeah. Are you looking for something? Pray to say. Pray to say. Oh, come on, Grandma. It's 1.30 in the morning. Are you kidding me? I love that story. That Would was a great it? story. Uh, no. I wouldn't have nothing to lose. I think you need to do it right now. Okay, And grandma. you found it. Yeah. You found the spring. Found the spring. Amazing. Yeah. She laughed in my face. <laughs> Don't ever doubt me again. Or say anything. Yeah. Uh, let's do a little countdown, John. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Five, four, three, two. One. Hey friends, welcome back to the next episode of the Jersey Alchemist. I am your host, Dr. John Gerard Gallucci. I gotta tell you, John, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. You sound great as you. I'm a little jacked. I'm a little. <laughs> I'm jacked. But I have to tell you, I mean, we talk more. We talk on the podcast, all right? Thirty minutes, forty minutes, fifty minutes. Well, we actually talk another podcast. In between, you know, every time we and do a podcast. And it's all really good shit. Yeah. Except. It might offend too many people. We, yeah, we can't, we just can't film yeah. it because, yeah. you know, we're getting real. We're yeah. getting real with it. Not that the other stuff's not real, but yeah. the stuff that we're talking about yeah. involves and not changing the names or places to protect the, the guilty. Yeah, <laughs> the guilty, absolutely. Right. But it's almost like that's a warm-up. To, yeah. to right here, because, you know, it seems like we're all right. We got it. You know, we, we stretched the jaw muscles, the brain muscles, right. uh, although my brain muscles haven't really been stretched. I we mean. wet our beaks. Wet your beak. <laughs> and then we turn the camera on, and it's off to the races, you know, despite what production and lighting people right. and the, uh, everybody yeah. else has to say. We just go with the flow, and I love we that. We do. You know, that's an interesting thing, how we, when the camera went on, we were talking about uh, the, the wisdom that that your grandmother uh, had I mean now let's talk about wisdom like love it how does somebody acquire wisdom you know wisdom comes with ex I was gonna say age but it's really experience yeah because you can be uh, have an experience at 20 or 30 right yeah and all of a sudden you you well you you're wise and somebody asks you a question about something you've lived through it you went through the good times and the bad times yeah. So, so wisdom. Where, Where does it wisdom come from? Come from? Uh, can I take a stab at this? John, please do. All right. Um, I think that our our brains and our hearts are sponges, and when we incarnate here, we immediately start. Uh, you know, I'm no computer guy. We immediately start downloading and uploading our experience. Gathering information. Gathering information from every aspect. So in that sense, we're kind of like artificial intelligence. We're, we're computers, right? From, from the feeling that that newborn has about getting squeezed through the birth canal or, or having a set of hands or two sets of hands prying you out of a cut open uterus for a c-section it's cold it's noisy 
it's bright lights. It's, you know, we said this before, it's the nurses scraping you with an OR towel that might seem, you know, soft to us, but to somebody who was in the uterus for its entire existence, Sandpaper. around yeah, around eight months, it's going to be, uh, you know, more like a cat's tongue. Mm. And so we're picking up all sorts of stuff. You know, it starts before the birth process because uh, babies in the womb can hear their mother's heartbeat. They can hear uh, their mother's voices. Is that me or you? No, that's neither. I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Um, I have an interesting quick story. Well, Please. I would love to ha have the... Um, you know, gang, if you're wondering why I'm looking distracted, it's because it's probably my cell phone and somebody's calling it. And to be honest with you, I have a tree stump on my front yard and I have a full-size sledgehammer. I think tonight when I go home, I'm going to set my cell phone on the tree stump and do what I've wanted to do for at least 10 years. Wow. It's going to, I'm going to give it the old John Henry, full Love swing it. over the head, and it's going to go into a thousand pieces. You may regret that later. I'm, I have a second cell phone. Oh. <laughs> we'll film it for the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Oh. But uh, when, uh, when my wife was pregnant with our third child she went in for an ultrasound i think she was deemed high risk she because just because she was a little bit older by the time the third one came along and and you know um for those of you who think that uh, babes in the womb fetuses don't have wherewithal i'm going to tell you something i'm going to tell you something about yourself that's, and I'll do it in a very eloquent fashion, okay? For those of you who think that a fetus or a baby still in the womb is not a human being, eloquently, I say to you, look out when he leans forward. No, it's coming. You're a stupid fucking idiot. Stupid fucking idiot. We have an ultrasound video and still shot that when my wife had a, an amniocentesis, so the needle was put through my wife's abdomen and through the uterine wall and into the amniotic sac where the baby was, here comes on that black ultrasound screen, this is my daughter Gemma, the third one. And she was like this. Right? Here comes the needle, right, through the amniotic sac into her space. And what do you think Gemma, the fetus, did? She went and she grabbed the needle. Wow. She grabbed the needle as if to say, don't you dare come near me with that needle. Now, this is a baby who can't see, who can't speak, wow. right? How did she know where the fuck that needle was? So for all of you fucking douchebags out there that think that, mm. you know, late-term abortion is okay because until you're born, you're not a human being, or for you stupid fucking morons that think that 
you know, first trimester abortion is no big deal because it's just a little squishy, wishy mass of, uh, of schmutz. Schmutz. You're fucking idiots. You're, you're, de you're delusional. You're delusional. How, how far along is she, John? Um, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe six, seven months. Wow. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Far. But w everybody was flabbergasted, including the MFM, the uh, maternal fetal medicine, you know, you know mm. physician. Baby <laughs> grabs the needle. No, you don't. No, you don't. Can you imagine that? That's an amazing, amazing story. Yeah, it's and, uh, right. And that's why, you know, if pro-life, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great argument that, you know, when does the, the it, when is it a life, you know? Yeah. And as soon as that heartbeat comes, or is it? Right. No, we already did all this yeah, on another yeah. episode, but, but I just figured I would throw that Very story interesting. in. I'm not sure where wisdom went into that story. But it is an awesome story. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. But oh well, we were God. talking about that's right. We were talking about wisdom and and how do you get wisdom? How do you gain wisdom? I mean, there's an experience, right, John? Let's take the uh, the wisdom you got from that uh, from that what happened there. I mean, you could definitely. Well, I I think that I think we got onto the needle story, the, yeah. the amniocentesis, because we talked about how you know. experience and how you collate your experiences and how you kind of file away your experiences and how it affects you and how you remember your experience and then how you can kind of play it back and use it as a guideline or you know a, a rule for life mm. right it starts in the womb of course it starts in the womb in the third dimension it starts in the womb your your consciousness is there and you are a spirit entity before you enter the womb so okay you could say it starts it starts eternally but we're not talking about that we're not talking about the other side we're talking about the here and now this existential physical third dimension so you're, you're a sponge and you're like a computer and look my, one of my daughter's first memories was having a sharp needle piercing her mother's abdomen and the amniotic sac headed toward her <clears throat> no you don't somewhere in the recesses of my daughter's subconscious that is a memory how do i know it's obvious because she was part and parcel to it um and it goes on from there the birthing process being an infant being you know a one-year-old a toddler you know motoring around uh your life and what happens is that we we collate and we try to make sense of our life experiences and for some of us it ends up kind of condensing into what others would say is wisdom wisdom right and then there are those that don't seem to learn from their life experiences and it's not just a matter of not learning from their mistakes they don't learn from their successes. They don't learn from anything. It's almost like they're, they're, they're living by default. And it's, you know, it's like, I don't know, deciding that they're going to go play golf during a major hailstorm. 
Okay, so now you're full of cuts and bruises and lumps on your head if you're still alive. And then next year, there's a hailstorm and you want to go play golf. Like you haven't learned anything. Mm. So I think, I think that wisdom comes from your elders imparting uh, lessons learned that follow you through your life. And you, you have to be a sponge for that. You have to want to accept that. There was someone that was very close to me that feigned all of that. Anything my father said to a certain person in my life went in one ear and right out the other. It was a recalcitrance. It was almost almost like somebody with opposition defiance disorder. Mm. I don't remember opposition defiance disorder being in DSM-3, Diagnostic and Statistic Manual 3, for psychiatry and psychology when I was a medical student. Now I think it's DSM-5. And the first time I ever heard of opposition defiance disorder, I was a surgical attending, and it was part of somebody's uh, medical record, and I was like, kind of like, stunned by that. So that night I went home and I and I researched it and read up on it. This is a long time ago, and I thought, yeah, I I think I know a bunch of people who were like that. No matter what was going on, they were going to oppose whatever was put to them instead of embracing it and saying, you know, maybe there's some something to learn here. Maybe there's something I, I need to hold on to. Kind of like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Talk about wisdom. Mm. Talk about wisdom. But there are people, here's a great example, there are people who hate him because they say, oh, he's a right-winger. No, he's not a right-winger. He's just somebody who sees the world the way he sees it, and his book sold, apparently, several million copies. And they hate that book. Hated with a vengeance. And you know something? I happen to love that book, and I happen to love Jordan Peterson. And you know something? Maybe, just maybe, some of Jordan Peterson's wisdom will kind of stick to me. But other people don't have a snowball's chance in hell of acquiring wisdom if they're starting to play, you know, a game. They're starting to play a game. Oh, this one, this one's a left winger, that one's a right winger. There are, there are liberals who are full of wisdom. But I don't believe for a second that a hardcore right-winger or a hardcore leftist has any wisdom at all, because they seem to be at war with the rest of the world. Interesting. John, I feel that, you know, we, we choose two paths in life. There's the unpaved road and the paved road. Yeah. And, you know, if when certain people, I think this is where their lack of wisdom comes in is because they take they choose to take the un, the paved road so that's smooth riding you know what are you going to learn if what's that saying with a sailor a sailor wasn't born how do you say it? calm seas do not a sailor make exactly so if your road is paved and you're just going to your destination i mean what wisdom could you gather from that what yeah. can you get from your journey and how could you pass that along to somebody right. now you take that unpaved road which I happen to be extremely familiar with, you take that unpaved road and there's pitfalls, there's bumps, there's cliffs, there's there's trees that fell down on that road and you got to get past it somehow. And right. you don't immediately get past it. You know, you sit there, you struggle, you try and figure it out. 
But once you figure it out and you get through that, that, that barrage of obstacles, I mean, all of a sudden you learn something, yeah. right? And you pick it up. So now when the journey's over, you can tell somebody, hey, listen, I wouldn't do things that way because, yeah. right? right? And it does help you if you're a father. It helps you in business, you know, in relationships, all the obstacles that you found in those situations. And now you could really pass right. that information on. Well, right. when that happened to me, this is what I did. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting way of kind of uh, putting it and looking at it. You could take the paved path. Mm. But let's let's say, let's say your parents own a business, a very successful, you know, uh, financially successful, locally and regionally known established business. Okay. Whatever, maybe it's a, a string of automobile dealerships or a string of restaurants or whatever, right? right? And you could take that path. And kind of be a ne'er-do-well about it. I have a very dear friend of mine whose father um, inherited money from his father because he was a manufacturer and an inventor. And then my friend's father parlayed that money into, you know, a growing empire. She took the father's, the, the grandfather and the father's wisdom, and and worked with that and and used it to kind of fuel her path but apparently her sibling not so much did just the opposite would would walk into the into the establishment and grab a, a handful of cash out of the cash register not accounting any mm. no one was accounting for it you mm. know wine women and song that kind of thing and so maybe that person just wasn't in the frame of mind or, or didn't have the capability to say, um, here, they're both taking the beaten path, the family business, right? One takes all of the lessons to heart and proceeds in a prodigious, you know, fashion using the wisdom that was handed to them. And the other one seems to be walking face first into the brick wall every which way they go. Now, at the end of the story, do they both have wisdom? Sometimes. Sometimes it takes the hard the hard way. Some people some people just kind of do things the hard way every step of the way, and they end up with lots of wisdom. I know there's a book out there. I saw a video a long time ago, so I'm going to butcher the story, okay, which is what I do best. And this book was about four successful people, multi-multi-millionaires. And the obstacles on their unpaved road that they had, who was born with a handicap? Who was born into foster parenting? Uh, <clears throat> you know, all really unbelievable stories where their path was so unpaved, pitfall after pitfall, that you think there's no way this guy or this woman is going to survive it. Yet they did. Mm. And they became, they took <clears throat> what they learned there and they became extremely successful. The point of the book is all their children, all their siblings, their sons and daughters were unsuccessful, were undriven because their road was always paved. Their path, John, was always paved. So they didn't know the struggle. They had no challenge. They had no challenge. And while their parents were extremely successful, their kids 
were as unsuccessful and unmotivated as you can so i think the point of the story is and you know we're all guilty of this to an extent we want our kids to live better than we did we want our kids to have more than what we had that being said what's the best way to do that i know i've made that mistake a hundred times given to my kids when i shouldn't have gave to them right what lessons do they learn out there for you young people that are new parents or soon to be parents i mean think about that what did our parents give us john i mean nothing but love a roof over our head and guidance we didn't have excess we didn't want for much but we didn't have excess if we wanted it we had to earn it lesson uh you know what i'm guilty it just reminds me well i mean you know i had to i had to beg my father for hockey equipment Mm. for for a pair of skates extremely expensive well yeah it's all in the united states it's always been in canada that's not true you go to a canadian tire which is kind of like a um i'm not even sure what canadian tires like it's they they sell everything from car tires to to underwear you know and they're not big 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 huge places like a costco they're they're small neighborhood stores but they had shelf after shelf of hockey equipment and a lot of it was used mm-hmm. you know how my kid outgrew this so you know it didn't stink like shit like mm-hmm. most hockey, hockey equipment, equipment can stink like shit but but you know it was cheap up there because you know it's part of the fabric no pun intended of the canadian society and canadian culture and um you know my son i'd say hey you know what you you're going from peewees to from mites to peewees you know and you grew a few inches you know you i think you need a new pair of shin pads because there's a gap between the bottom of your shin pad and the and the, the tongue of your skate no dad i don't want a new pair it's like what I had to beg my dad for for mm. anything I had, and here I am. I want him to t- take him down to the hockey house, which was a place, you know, uh, an acquaintance of mine owned. They, you know, it was only hockey stuff. The guy was a nuclear physicist who said, "Fooey on it all." Wow. He says, "I want to pursue my dream." He retired from being a nuclear physicist, and he opened up the hockey house. And I used to play against him. He was on one of the other oh, men's league teams. I, I admire great, that. Great guy, great guy. But. Um, you know, my son's first hockey uniform with the equipment, Ben Liuzzi sold it to us at the Verona Sports, Sports Shop. shop. Wow. You know, I think my son was four years old. Wow. But anytime I saw him outgrowing a piece of equipment, I'd say, come on, let's go. Let's, let's. No, Dad, I don't want new equipment. I like what I have. Well, yeah, but you don't understand. You get whacked with a shot, you know, bare shins, you're going down. Mm. And you're not going to like it, you know. And, I don't want new equipment. It's like, I'm that guy. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of... Wanting him to have better. Wanting him to have, I guess, more than I did. That's what it comes down to. So how did our parents... We always end up going back to comparing generations, right? Well, yeah. How did our parents fight that? I mean, but we, we succumb to it. I'm just as guilty, you know? I, bike? I didn't know what a bike was until, you know, high school. Well, you know, it's a good question. You know, how did they deal with it? Where did that all, how did that all evolve, right? Yeah. What was the natural progression of one generation to the next? 
here, you, you know the story I told on a previous podcast of how my father lived in a cold water flat in Newark, New Jersey. Sure. They had one light bulb hanging from the ceiling on a single wire in the kitchen. Mm. And on a really cold night, my grandmother would stoke the stove, which was a, a, a cold stove. Wow. And, um, and she would leave the oven door open and the bedroom doors had to be open because that was the only heat source they had. Wow. So, so if my father, I can't imagine my father would have never said to his mother and father, I want this or I want that. Mm. Right. But I was the one who came home one day after being completely um, bitten by the ice hockey bug. And, and I woke my dad up. He was on, he was on his recliner. He would come home from work and take a, take a little snooze before dinner. And I grabbed him by the arm. I says, Dad, Dad, what? What's the matter? Dad, I, 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 I want to say something. I, mm, all right, what? I want to play ice hockey. Yeah, all right, all right, okay. Yeah, all right. No, Dad, you're not listening to me. I want to play ice hockey. And now he's awake and he's upset that I woke him up. He goes, well, where do you do that? I said, South Mountain Arena. It's in West Orange. And he says, oh, all right, yeah, all right, yeah, all right, I'll, all right, I'll make some phone calls. Okay, fine. But the point was he did. If my father ever did that to his father, oh. I think he would have gotten a, a slap across the face. Mm. Not even a red truck with black wheels did my father get, mm. right? Remember that story? The right Great story. I mean, you know, so, so maybe it was us a combination we had this greater sense of what we thought we wanted and god damn it we were going to go for it and maybe the television changed it all but so our parents had greater wisdom than we did where was our wisdom when we knew we should have known in our generation we should have known not to give our kids everything because i'll tell you what the generation after us yeah. they're even worse than we were they're even worse so yeah. how did our grandparents have the wisdom, and our parents have the wisdom, and I always blame our generation, John, and the wisdom stopped right there, and, you know, it didn't cross the line. Well, I guess the question in my mind is, you know, my grandfather was a guy that was full of wisdom, and so was my grandmother. They weren't perfect. They were full of, full of flaws and mistakes, yeah. and they had completely different personalities, but back then... They were, they were, they lived every second of every day in a fight for survival, Maybe right? That's Not it. unlike indigenous peoples where, you know, if they weren't preparing from the, from the spring, they had to be preparing for the next winter season, you know, making their kills, tanning their hides, cutting their firewood, you know, food, food you know, planting those crops, you know, because... There was no fucking supermarket, you know, where you got into a car and said, "Hey, whoa, the refrigerator's empty. Let's go. Let's go load up a, a, a shopping cart." None of that. So, when you're living for survival, I think it's probably a pervasive feeling. And my father, my father, I think, as a kid, had the wisdom enough to say, "I'm not going to bust my parents' chops over." I want this, I want that. Oh, yeah. 
he tells a different story about one of his relatives that he said was a spoiled brat, mm. no name's name, you know, about he had this, he had that, he would, you know, he had a mouth on him, like, maybe that relative of his was more like we were, mm. you know, maybe he kind of was a skip generation, yeah. and he was, you know, he was a kid from the 60s and 70s, really living in the 30s and the yeah. 40s. That could be. So, John, I believe it goes back to what we talked about earlier today in this episode. Our grandparents and our parents had the unpaved road. Our road was paved, yeah. right? Yeah. Our road was paved. Yeah. So it was exactly what we came full circle here. Yeah. So now we took that unpaved road, not to excess, but right. things were, we had, we didn't live in a cold water flat. Right. You know, my mother grew up in the in the hills of Italy with nothing. I mean, literally on the side of a mountain. I mean, so we had the paved road, and that's where it went bad. That's where we lacked the wisdom, right? Well, I, I think that's where it, see, it certainly seems logical and temporally related. You know, in other mm. words, you can put the pieces together at the right time in the right place, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know. So then is wisdom born of struggle? Uh, can you, can 100%. You, well, but I don't know now, and I'll tell you why. Please do. Yeah. This beautiful wood carving this is, is of a, a fellow named Gautama Buddha. And he was a rich little son of a gun living in a palace. Hmm. And it wasn't until his caretaker took him out and took him, took him here and there. And he, you know, the stories are famous, and I'm going to butcher it. You know, I've read all the stories, but, um, you know, he, he looked at, you know, at a poor person and said, well, why, why don't they dress like we do? Mm. And, and the, the caretaker gave some explanation. Then he saw an old man on the street and said, what's, what's wrong with that person? Why is he all bent over? Well, mm. you know, he's, he's aged, and he worked very, very hard all of his life in the fields, and why? How does that happen? Then he sees a dead body on the street and says, "What? What is that? What? Wow. What is that? Oh, well, that's, you know, that's a that's a dead person. That's a deceased. And then I think he says to his caretaker, "Will that happen to me? Right? Talk about a paved path. Mm. Gautama Buddha, as a young child, was a uh, kind of like a, a prince of of means." grew up, I guess, of royalty in a palace. But yet, look at the wisdom that came out of Gautama Buddha. Maybe by observing the unpaved road, he gained his wisdom? Was that why? Well, I think it was a combination of all of that. And I think if you, if you reach deity status, like Jesus or Buddha or, you know, Muhammad or, you know, whatnot, uh, or... Um, Lao Tzu, who wrote the Tao Te Ching, maybe it was their destiny. And maybe they had certain uploads into their computer mm. from the universe that the rest of us, you know, didn't. And maybe we had to learn the hard way by, you know, running headfirst into a, a, low, a low tree wow. branch. Yeah. yeah. Right? Wow. But... So the point is, here's an example right here, right, right in between us, that you don't necessarily have to walk the uh, the hard path and have a, a life of uh, 
of uh, of non-privilege to 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 drip wisdom. Mm -hmm. Wow. No, it's just something to think about. It is something. Even the whole concept of wisdom and where it comes from, I thought it was an interesting topic for today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it really makes you think and wonder. Uh, and it makes you think about, you know, should I have done things different? I mean, you can't look back, you know. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me, let me say this about wisdom, and I think maybe we'll try to wrap this one up. Okay. Um, there are people who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Mm -hmm. And that's not just regarding, you know, spirituality and a religious wherewithal, because I don't consider myself religious anymore. Mm. Yeah. But for those who can't see what's happening in the world now with the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and how they're colluding with big businesses everywhere, they're colluding with major religions, they're colluding with every facet of our existence mm. to digitize the chattel, to digitize us, and to cull the, the herd, and to get us down to a manageable uh, size and number. They're looking for 500 million people on the planet or less, and that we're going to be completely digitized and put under surveillance by artificial intelligence. If you can't understand that that's what's happening, if you can't understand that that's where we're going, then you're the fucking frog that's in that pot where they turn the gas up, the heat up slowly, mm. slowly, slowly, until you have boiled frog, mm. right? And, uh, you know, remember you somebody saying? Yeah. Coconut? Coconut under glass, <laughs> coconut fricassee, yeah, wow. coconut this, coconut, oh, I hate coconut. <laughs> well, you know something? Don't, how wise is the frog that allows itself to be boiled slowly? Because mm. it's, eh, it's not so bad. All of a sudden, you're, all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're cooked. Wow. You're cooked. So, wisdom, wisdom, I think, goes hand in hand with having awareness. And having the awareness register some notion in your brain and in your heart to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, not so fast. So to alchemize this thing about wisdom, this, this term, this concept of wisdom, Lord God, you want to call Lord God Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, or both? I don't care. Lord God, bestow wisdom, the wisdom of the ages upon the people of today's era. How does that happen? It happens through our genetics. Wisdom, I believe, follows us in that chemical process that is our genetics. Bestow upon us, the people now in this, this era of the apocalypse, which is the great reveal, let us have an understanding. Let us have the wisdom to know which is worthy and which is unworthy of humanity. Give us the wisdom to know how to take this and to not be co-opted into a tyrannical uh, new world order. Amen. Wow. John, well said as usual. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. People, thank you for watching us on the Jersey Alchemist. If you like what we're doing, press like and subscribe. Oh, I love that word. Till next time, peace.